Welcome to the Less Spelling Podcast, where we redefine how athletes develop speed by giving them the tools to play faster. What up, Tay? It's, uh, it's good to see you, man. Um, it's been a long time coming. Glad we finally got to connect, and I'm pretty off of communication. And trying to start on it. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, for sure. So let's let's start off by just like get like what are you looking for from stat sports? Like what do you get from that data right now? Man, to be honest, right now the number one thing is it's almost gamifying it. So when I say gamifying it is last this is the first year that we've had stat sports with the guys. Um but now like we'll 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 race each other on backwards sprints and that's kind of like one of the last things we do before we run i'll i'll line them all up and i'll be like all right you're gonna have two winners you're gonna have a guy who hits the highest velocity and then you're gonna have a guy that finishes through 10 yards the fastest and i'll say ready go and then what will happen is bailey will call out all the numbers and you'll have guys that are like yeah yeah, i hit 14 miles per hour in a backwards sprint and then some guys are like yeah but i crossed the line first so it, it makes it fun. It makes it competitive. And driving that competitive nature is what's kind of pushing those numbers, right? Um, I'd say, to be honest, the hardest part I'm having right now on the Excel days is like I had a guy that it, the stats board said the guy hit 20 yard or 20 miles per hour within 10 yards, right? Um, but what happened was it was most likely his coast out. So he's hitting that 20 miles per hour, probably really 15, 15 to 20 yards. But he's still being aggressive with how he's getting those first couple steps. Right. Um, I think one of the, one of the things that I failed in the past was being too pretty in your start, you know? Well, um, I mean, I, I'd have guys and I mean, we do film and we go over starts before we had the GPS and man, I tell you what, they looked amazing, big arm separation, huge knee separation. They're really separating their thighs from each other. They look like they're covering a lot of ground, but they're not actually moving fast. You know what I'm saying? Because that's yeah, what everyone's like. This doesn't, really, this doesn't really make sense. Like they're hitting all the right positions, they're hitting the right angles, they have the right shapes, um, but they're just not moving fast. So what's happened? And it this is actually kind of what I turned to Bailey and I was like, "There's no way you can be going this good so far." Was like, we had guys that right. now guys are improving their shapes and they're improving their posture and their position in those in that first 10 yards and we've had guys that have dropped like 0.08 on their start already in pretty much a week and a half well i'm like i'm like there's no yeah i said there's there's no way there's no way but really what's happening is i mean like they're being competitive about how fast they're moving they're being competitive about it while they're still improving those shapes so yeah no i mean i i boxed for a long time and i was i was always told you can't be powerful and think at the same time you can't <laughs> so it's like the overload of information and like that's something i've worked on on even in our meeting it's like three things all right just work on these three things keep it really simple and just run but um i love that you, that you're doing that and just obviously like i'm a stat sports you know guy and been using gps for this is my fourth year now yeah and uh year one it was kind of just like a, a little monitoring thing like how much volume year two is kind of like all right let's Look at the intensities. Let's look at the accelerations. Let's look at, you know, the high speeds. And then now just getting into some of the nitty gritty stuff. And it's cool to see just like more people in the industry using GPS and understanding its value. 
And, you know, you can make it as complex as you want or as simple as you want, but uh, right. no, it's awesome. And Bailey's impact, obviously, you know, like I, I feel like female coaches are a secret weapon and I'm not really sure why other people don't see that. Like women have a skill set that we don't have as men and like, not, I mean, just, not just from an organizational standpoint, but I think from an empathy standpoint. And yeah, yeah like, for sure. <laughs> for sure. You know, like they understand the guys, what they're feeling, what they're going through. I'll be like, yeah, that was a great session. And then TC will be like, yeah, I don't know. Like some of the guys are tired. Some of the guys, I'm like, yeah, I didn't even see any of that because they can see those things. And, um, yeah. Yeah. But not to go off on the tangent, but no, when it's, so I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, it's a good change yeah. because you're right. Like, and, like I say that because one one of my problems is and one of my coaching issues I have is empathy. And if Bobby if Bobby ends up listening to this, he'll Bobby's the one that called it out to me probably six years ago. Is yeah. I'm very like I'm very type A personality. I'm an Enneagram eight. I don't know if you've ever done the Enneagram, but like mine's like I haven't. I'm 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 very like structured and organized and this has to get done. This has to get done. A plus B equals C, like and it has to go like this, like this. Well, so Bailey's kinda Bailey helps give me that like, hey, like check on check on so and so. Check on him. Yeah. Like he looks like he's he looks like he's kinda, you know, limping a little bit. Ask him. You know, and then yeah. then once I can start asking those questions, then I get more info and I can help affect their right. speed more with it. So no, you're right. right. I mean, it's a, it's a superpower having a lady coach. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's dope. What's the what's the biggest thing you picked up over the past couple of years, like that you feel like is just like your secret weapon, like your game change outside of Bailey. Hey, Drew, it's like <laughs> it, it, the thing you're just like, all right, I wish I'd known this when I first started. It's it's how much high velocity sprinting affects other attributes. Um and I say that because I mean hamstring hamstring strains, hamstring tears, all that. I mean, all that happens, right? And I'm I'm a big believer in, you know, if it happens to one person, like that might just be a one person thing, but if it happens more than once it's a trend, right? Um and any and how how the accountability that I hold to myself is anything that happens under the apex roof is gonna be is my fault. Good, mm-hmm. good, bad, you know, all right, okay. You know, if I write the program and I'm coaching it, then I'm responsible for the results that come from it. And that's a, that's the type of accountability I hold myself to. Right. So I always used to, I always used to be afraid to expose guys to maximum velocity because I'm taking a risk. I'm taking a risk. Right. Um, well, but what's happened is the, the smarter I've got about the programming, the smarter that we've been about how we attack each day has kind of taken that risk down a notch and the reward has been a lot higher um it just has to be prepared and planned and pre- prepared planned and progress the right way yeah yeah so talk to me about that how do you how do you prepare plan and progress them for max speed um it's just not trying to get too aggressive with it early um in the past i mean we had last year last year we had one guy he he strained his hamstring and he strained it probably week, week five. It was actually during our winter blizzard. So we had that winter blizzard where, like, the I mean, it was zero degrees. Oh, yeah, yeah, I heard about that. So it was literally it was it was leading up to that week, right? And what happened was it was it was thirty two degrees outside, and we have an indoor we have an indoor facility, 
we have we have 35 yards of track indoors right so we can run i mean we can run 0 to 10 0 to 15 0 to 20 is kind of pushing it and yeah, you got to you got to have good breaks it's good break exactly as far as the diesel goes so it was it was a tuesday and we were running a fly we were running a fly 20 to 30 so what's going to happen is the garage door is open he tried to stop before he got outside because it was too cold and he just put the brakes on too soon and it just tightened up on him. Oh, um, yeah. So saying all that is understanding like that's like, that's an issue, right? If someone doesn't want to run outside the cold, that's going to create a, it's going to create a different mechanics for their deceleration. They're going to decelerate a little sooner, decelerate a little bit harder and their body might not be prepared for that. Um, and right, I mean, right. and that, that, that actually, so that actually fell on a Friday. It was a, it was a Friday because last year we did, we were doing high exposure on Tuesday, Friday. So that's why yeah. this year I said, okay, we're going to start with one and then we'll work our way to two. So that way it's not accumulating too early, too soon. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, yeah. so that's kind of where, that's kind of where my head was at with all that, especially leading into this year. Yeah, so when you when you talk about like just like yeah. a, I would say more like drill perspective, like do you start them off dribbling and then you know eventually get to high speed, or do you just kind of dive into it? Like wh- where do you where do you lie on that? Um, so we, I mean, we do like, ankle shin knee dribbles, and so how kind of how I explained it to the guys this year was we like we, I mean, we personally, me, I really love transitional ankle shin knee dribbles over 30 yards right so every every 10 yards you go ankle for 10 shin for 10 knee for 10 and that covers 30 yards worth right i like how they have to feel the range of motion change i like how they have to dictate it and then i like obviously the distance that they're having to travel to do it right um so early on this year we would just do 15 yards of ankle let them chill 15 yards of shin, let them chill. 15 yards of knee, let them chill. And now as we're getting closer, now we'll do ankle for five, shin for five, knee for five. Then transition that into ankle for 10, shin for 10, knee for 10. And then what happens is that ankle shin knee dribble over 30 ends up being our game day warm-up. So we have like a game day warm-up that we that everybody goes through to make sure that they're hitting the things that they need for them, right? And that that ankle shin knee dribble, obviously it's a little more structure now because we're learning concepts and principles yeah. behind that. But what happens is then it ends up just being like, look, I want you to transition ankle shin knee dribble over 30 yards, but it needs to transition properly and smooth. Like I shouldn't, I shouldn't just see all ankle, all shin, all knee. You got to make it bleed and blend right. as you go that 30 yards. Um, and that's kind of what it ends up turning into. So, so what do you what do you co- what are you cueing on the dribble? Because everyone has like a different way of teaching. Yeah. So the biggest thing I'm looking they're for, all I, yeah, the biggest thing I'm looking for with that ankle dribble is heel recovery and full foot contact. Right. So it's still it's obviously it's obviously a max velocity technique drill because they have to have that vertical torso. Um, but the heel recovery. And them feeling because that heel recovery happens once that foot steps over, like you're stepping over that little mini hurdle. Once you step over, you have that full foot contact. They got to understand to get their foot off the ground again, right? Especially a lot of these football players, they like to leave right. their foot in the ground too long. 
So I want them to understand what a cyclical right. heal recovery actually is, especially early on. Um, and then what happens is once yeah. they kind of, once they understand that cyclical action, that heal recovery and understanding full foot contact, then I'm going to transition that focus on the dribble to, I need more vertical displacement of your hips when you hit the ground. Now that you understand the cyclical action, once you hit the ground, I need some pop. I need some pop off the ground. So now that that they're going to have that pop from the shoulders and their hips when they go. So it, it, what happens is they end up feeling light and bouncy. You know, that's what they would say like, man, I feel springy after I do a set of the dribbles because that's what I'm cueing them to do. Hit full foot, create vertical displacement, stiffness in the ground, and then now make it a rhythm and coordination exercise. Pop, 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 pop. Find that rhythm in their head and then move with it. Wow, wow, that, that's dope. That's dope. Yeah, and it's, um, come from like a similar coaching tree with Pat, Dan Pat. So, about yeah. it. Now, um, more on, on another note, on another note, like, what do you want to do in this industry? Like, what do you, I know APAC is there and love it, but like, what, what do you want to, what marketing do you want in the industry? I want to be, I mean, if we're talking personally, obviously you say, yeah, I mean, APAC's there. My biggest thing is I want to affect all walks of life through the field of human performance. Um, as long as I'm doing this job, I'm never just going to only coach professional athletes. I've been blessed to work with some really high level professional athletes. Um, but I get, I get a lot of joy personally, whenever I take a JV athlete and they make varsity or whether somebody that's just trying to learn how to play sports is finding out that working out is fun. Like I had a parent one time of a 10 year old that he messaged me and said that his son felt like he got better from the sole fact that I coached him, you know? Um, and that's the type of impact I want to have with everybody that comes in the facility. Um, I want, I want them to feel like they're better just for coming in that day. doesn't matter what they did. They could have just walked on the woodway for 10 minutes. And building a culture inside of a facility that, I mean, when I say culture, right. I mean, everybody talks about culture and what you create. And, um, I, I believe that it, it starts from the top, right. To, the culture at APEG was started by Bobby long ago, right? It's my responsibility to maintain that culture, but I can also feed to it and create yeah. create that culture of when you walk in the facility, you're here to get better. Um, and the people that want to get better, I mean, that's why our phrase is be the best you, because it's, it's a, uh, you know, it's some, some people aren't going to run at the Olympics or make it to the NFL or play professional soccer. But if they are figuring out how to reach their potential, and max out their potential, then they're living their best life, man. No, I like that. I like that. It's dope. Well, man, what what questions do you have for me? You got any? Oh my God, I'm gonna need my own podcast for you, dog. I ain't going. <laughs> I just need you. To, I just need you to come down. I need. I'm to coming, down. Down. Or I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm gonna try full time dad. I know. Full time dad and part time part time coach. You got kids too? I got two kids. I got a four year old. I got a four year old. A one year old. They're both about to turn five and two. Yeah, how do you do it, bro? My wife's a superstar. She does a great job. That's it. Mm, <laughs> I, I love that. I'm, I'm, I make that joke all the time where I'll say, you know, some will be like, man, your, your kids are so nice. I'll be like, yeah, my wife does a great job. Oh, yeah, honestly. Honestly. You, you, I mean, you get it. Like you said, you're part time coach, full time dad, man. It's, it's yeah. keeping, it's, it's keeping balance, right? It's, 
it's never it's never getting too far away from them and understanding that yeah i mean i do all i do all this for them too i want them to have a different life than what i grew up with why oh 100 bro 100 well yeah fire off a couple of questions real quick around yeah see if i can answer them so man golly i, I mean i go lie i wasn't i wasn't ready to ask you questions but i would get ready, <laughs> get ready. <laughs> oh let's go so the biggest thing like i said i've been following you for a long time anyway yeah. um and then obviously part of this starts because of the usr the universal speed rating that you're getting kicked yeah. off and getting going um yeah. and you talked and you talked about your algorithm right obviously i'm not gonna yeah. like what's your algorithm but what what started in your head that made you think like i i can do this on speed like i can i yeah. can force velocity profile somebody on speed and I'm going to be able to get better results because it's more, it, it's more specific to them. Yeah. I, I think it just comes from like my learning disability I, in school. I'd always struggled. I had to overly simplify things. So like, I didn't get, I didn't actually start performing well in school until I learned how to take notes, which was like a process of me working with different people to figure out my learning style learn how to like simplify things so for me i always have to simplify down to like the smallest 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 thing because when i think about like big concepts like sprinting that's super complex it's super difficult to actually put into action it took me a lot to actually figure out what choices to make when it comes to sprinting so i struggled in the beginning because i kept making the wrong choices like i would overcoach or i'd over yeah. i would overcome like make things too complex and I was just like, all right, I just need to find philosophies that simplify this down to a physical and technical thing. So like, if you, if you were to ever come watch me coach, like it's not what you would expect, like on social media where I post a bunch of stuff. Like usually when they, when they post a video of me talking, like that might've been the only thing I said that entire day. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't say much. Like I try to keep the session built around the main things and let them kind of figure things out on their own. So for me, force velocity profiling satisfied the physical bucket. Like, okay, I can place guys in physical buckets where I know that we can fulfill this. Like basically just like how they accelerate. Like force velocity profiling is a really complex way of saying like, I'm, I'm basically analyzing how do you accelerate and how you use, like how you use your acceleration to get to your, your, your highest velocity. Right. Right. And it's, it's measuring how much of that horizontal acceleration is present in that run until you reach out velocity. So for me, it was like, okay, if I can simplify the physical part, now all I have to do is tack the technical. And I feel like I'm right. pretty confident with technical, like running track and you know, all that. But even then I was like, ah, I don't know. So then I found ways for me to, to kind of simplify it down to like bigger off. Like you talked about a lot of them, so I won't repeat them all, but just how can I make this thing how can I say less? And that's where it started. And then that led to like, all right, we've got some success doing it. Now I can actually measure, I can bucket guys. I can look at guys from year one to year two, you know, and, and honestly, like to me, it's like, I, I feel like there's a lot of coaches that are significantly better than coaches. And the way that I look at this whole thing is how can I spend more time with my daughter? It's not about how much, how much time I've <laughs> sure. been training. So. I'm trying to figure out how can I give them the most and spend the least amount of time talking and the least amount of time there and give them the most that they could ever get in that amount of time. So it's part personal as well. You know, I'm not trying to do data all night. 
don't want to have to be deciding like what decisions I need to make. Like I'm trying to, you know, have have a great time. Yeah. Some connections. Let my conversations be conversations with the guys. Not I don't have to coach you all the time. Sometimes I don't right. like sometimes I won't correct someone like there's two guys I didn't correct at all in the last session. Not one time. All we do is talk about sports in the game. In the in the session. I let them go through, I let them figure it out. I let them have fun. I let them, you know, let it be easy. Because every coaching cue that you give is an interruption. And every time I interrupt you, you gotta be prepared for that you're gonna have a valley. There's times where you want valleys and there's times where you want peaks. Right. During a peak, you, you don't talk. During a valley, you can help somebody through a valley. And you're gonna put them in a you're gonna put them in a deeper valley if you continue to talk, you know, a certain way. So yeah, that's essentially like why, you know, we we came up with it and why it's you know where where it's at now. That's dope. Um, so I, what are your two biggest things you see in mainly combine pro day guys when it comes to acceleration early on? So one one metric that we've been analyzing over the past couple of years is stance exit. So from the stance to toe off, how fast is that velocity? How high is that velocity? So uh, Olympic sprinters are around four meters per second. Our combine athletes average about 2.5 meters per second when they first come out. So there's a significant drop off. Partially it's because stance, partially it's because they don't know how to push from that stance, and partially it's because they just haven't done it or been coached. So the biggest miss on that is, well, it's two things. It's, it's takeoff distance and it's hip projection distance. So it's how far it's how far you push. So the takeoff distance is really determined by leg length, to be honest. Like, but hip projection distance is not. You can project your hip pretty far, even if you have a shorter leg. So the hip projection distance is low, and haven't projected themselves horizontally. So it's a really good measure for me to see somebody can project themselves a yard, their hip a yard, not their foot, not their shoulder, not their head, and their hip project a yard. And can they do that one yard projection? Well, let's say 0. 0.9. 0. 0.9 is fine. 0. 0.9 projection with a 0. 0.05 air time. And if they can do that, and they can do that under 0. 0.33 seconds, I know they can run a good a good Excel. So like when I look at acceleration, I break it down to first like the physical tools. So if you most guys don't have a high enough velocity in the exit, and you don't have a good velocity in your exit, you're not gonna have a good first step. You don't have a good first step, you can't have a good first three steps. Yeah. You know, you don't have a good first three steps, you can't have a good five. You don't have a good five, you could probably have probably gonna have a bad ten. So it just like bleeds into the whole thing. Now right. to get that, like we know that and that's high level and that sounds good on this podcast, but both of us know like athletes won't understand that. So what I do is I break I break it into two components. I'm physically gonna make you more powerful horizontally. How am I going to do that? I'm going to train you your optimal power. Heavy run. I'm going to do med ball, push start. I'm going to do, do like bounding. Okay, cool. Till that phys- physical bucket. Now from a technical side, I'm going to teach you your stance. I'm going to teach you how to push up both feet. Teach you how to project yourself. I'm going to teach you how to think, like what words to say to yourself. And that's it. And that's, a sim- that's as simple as I can put it. And in two weeks, like, our average difference is 0.06. Our best difference in area 10 is 0.06, and our best difference is 0.18. Every single person improved, not because they physically got 
or powerful, but because it's a combination of some of the physical tools and some right. of the technical tools. Right. And learn, um, I mean, learning it, learning it, right? <laughs> You're going to end up learning it from learning it. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to toss another one out there because this is actually for us today. So um, Chris Hess at Biometrics, he actually came by yeah. today. Um, oh my God. He, yeah, I know. So he was talking about how you created that tunnel. So you created a tunnel for the 3D movement. And so you can see where their center of mass and where they were hitting in relation to their center of mass. Yep. Right. Yeah. Um, so I say that is, do you still use that to kind of help you see where they should be hitting? Right. Cause obviously like when you're coaching with your eyes, right. And I'll, I'll never argue that I'll never argue that technology should replace a coach's eyes. Um, people come to APEC to get coached by people because there's human connection between that. And that's how you build relationships that help make those changes as well. Um, and obviously whenever you're watching somebody run, there's, I mean, there, there's a bandwidth, right? And I talk, and I say that bandwidth is that front shin angle, right? So I say that front shin angle where it may look vertical in acceleration, but whenever they step down, it's actually going to be more of a horizontal projection angle. Uh, well, do you have, do you see one that's, I mean, how I would say really how, how wide does that bandwidth go for you? I mean, as well, far as how much you let that go. Couple of things. So I don't really track shin angles. I know it's like people would be like, what? But yeah, shin angle, shin angle, shin angle is a result of hip projection distance, touchdown distance. So when I, when I look at, when I look at the, the foot landing behind the center of mass, you can't, you can't measure that. Mostly, unless you have biometric, right. like it's gonna be super hard for you to measure that, right? So on video, you can measure your your touchdown distance. So like, you're, you can you can measure basically where you touch down in relation to your hip. Does that make sense? But yeah. So if if you touch down in front of the hip, obviously your touchdown distance is positive. Touchdown behind the hip, then it's negative. You want a negative touchdown, ideally in the first step. It's probably not gonna happen in the second step. It definitely won't happen in the third. You want to minimize it. So that's what I look at. I don't care. Shin angle is a result of hip projection and touchdown. Then from a coaching standpoint, like I can't see that when I coach, right? And that's why I create landmarks. So I put like every time they do a five-yard start, I'll put a landmark at one yard or two yards or whatever. And I'm looking at, can they get their hip to that point? And their goal is, can they get that hip to that point? I'm not really focused on the shin. I don't focus on anything lower leg, nothing. Nothing below the knee. Only focus on the hip. And if I control what happens at the hip, then I'm going to end up with a good shin angle. You know what I mean? And yeah. then the other piece of that is that most athletes, most of the guys that are at the combine, they basically hit the ground and they stop. Right? They hit the ground, their foot stops. You have to hit the ground and accelerate that foot through the ground to continue to guide back. And it's not like through the ground down. It's like hit the ground and continue to push the ground away from you. Right. And it'll be in the right position. So, I mean, that's really like, I just gave you the entire, that's all I coach. Is that, like, I don't really coach anything more than that. I don't say anything more. I don't cue anything outside of the hips for the first two weeks. And then I'll start looking at, hey, shoulders, hey, this, hey, that. But what ends up happening is they'll self-correct based around the hip projection. Right. And the touchdown distance. And I'm monitoring air times and, and ground time and step points every session. Every Monday, we look through, we go, we say, okay, 
like Aiden has too much air time or this guy has too much this. And we figure out which step, which step is their main focus. And most of the guys, like when they first start, you can't be a good projector and have a good touchdown distance from the jump. You have to learn one or the other. You can't, you can't coordinate. Once they learn how to switch their limb from the hip, that's when you start to see really good shin angles that show up and you can visually see the shin angle. But like when I'm watching you run, I can't see a shin angle. I just, my brain, maybe other people can, but I can't see it. I, just, I can just see hip. And if the hip, it, it's, it moves slower than the lower leg. And I can see everything moving real time. And I'm watching the hip project forward. And if I see a smooth hip rise and a smooth hip projection, all right, that was a good run, all right? Or if I see a hip, or if I see a, a hip rise that's too high and he has too much air time, all right, that was a bad run. You know what I mean? That's, yeah, that's yeah. the way I look at it. Yeah, because I, I got ADHD, so I can't really like focus on too many things. Nothing lower like everything at the hip. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. Wow. Cool. Well, man, we probably went over by like an hour, but I'm yeah. just <laughs> yeah. that's not. That was bound to happen. That was bound to happen. But uh, yeah, we should hear this again. And uh, for everyone that's listening, we we really just talk. Like we'll probably do this a couple more times. Yeah, but our. Sure. Yeah, man, this is uh, this is awesome. Super proud of you, grinding and uh, getting it in. And uh, hopefully, I'll come by soon. Yeah, man, for sure. If you don't make your way down, I'm gonna come up there. I'm I'm gonna work some things out to get up there. That way, we can yeah, we'll chat, we chat a lot more. <laughs> yeah, anytime, bro. Anytime, for sure. Awesome, man. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yes, sir. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Less Bowman Podcast. If you do me two massive favors. First, please rate the podcast and give it five stars if you enjoyed. If you didn't enjoy it, please still give me five stars. <laughs> Second, please share this podcast with another coach, an athlete, or a parent who wants to learn how speed is developed. Thanks again for listening and check out the podcast description to learn more.